Hello, and welcome back to another Cameron Brooks Roundtable discussion with Joel and Pete. So today, uh, during our roundtable, we wanted to discuss a hot topic as of late, internships. I think traditionally, uh, there have been a couple of different avenues in which an officer could initiate and facilitate their transitions. Um, Now we're starting to hear more and more um, about different military internship programs. Um, And this definitely comes up in my initial contact conversations with officers. Uh, So we wanted to tackle this subject today, um, internship and career searches, what they are, um, just so you'll be armed with more knowledge as you make your transition decision. But before we dive in to all of these topics, and I wanted to throw an icebreaker question out at Pete and Joel. So what was your very first job ever? You go first. My uh, very first job ever was mowing the lawn and picking up trash at my dad's funeral. (laughs) There you go. So a lot of people for, start on that. Would you say gopher generally? <laughs> or moving flowers to into the room where the body was being viewed, um, riding along to go pick up bodies. I did both of those things as well. So that, I'd say that was my first job. And you, Pete? My first job was at a place called Hearst Automotive. And uh, I was 14 years old and he was a friend of the family and I would ride my bike on Bandera Road in San Antonio, Texas. And I'd show up at about 7.30 and he would have me sanding cars and moving stuff and uh, just a full day of work. And then I would be completely covered in who knows what. And then I would just ride my bike home, first automotive. That's awesome. I love the idea of being able to ride a bike to work. My first job was pet sitting. I went around our neighborhood and put made flyers. I put flyers in every buddy's mailbox. And, um, I was actually, my neighbor had me sign up. And, uh, at one point I had to crawl through a window to feed the cats and dogs. So just go on the extra mile. I was committed. (laughs) Um, so it sounds like we have a, you know, good, great professional work life start there. Um, but all right, so let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, and our goal for today is that you'll walk away with more insights um, into internship programs and career searches um, and utilizing either an internship or recruiting firm, how it all works. Um, So I think a good starting point would be to just go back to basics. Uh, So Pete, uh, help us, let's define an internship. Start there. Well, what we wanted to do was talk a little bit about our perception of military officers getting into an internship. It's something that the um, DOD skill bridge is offering and it looks, it looks different based on the service you're in, but the bottom line is there's a means by which an officer can step away, still on active duty, step away from their current role and go to another company in an internship capacity, so there's no there's no salary, there's no benefits. It's only to go and learn more about the company and and and, uh, and contribute to the organization in a specific job. And so, as we're talking about internships, that's really where we should start. Am I missing something? Are you? 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the bigger picture of what we're talking about is SkillBridge. I mean, I think that's sort of the theme is how to use SkillBridge to help you in your transition. Because SkillBridge um, is a Department of Defense, as people listening to this probably already know, is a Department of Defense uh, approved program that allows people to take a certain amount of time away from working in the military to find work post-military in, in the design of it, um, or the thought, the idea of it, anything program that assures veterans to be able to land positions is really good. One component of that, a big component of that is internships. And I think in a larger picture, we're gonna talk about SkillBridge, specifically internships, uh, because uh, the military officer uh, in, is often looking at the SkillBridge program and seeing internships as one of the options. And I think in certain cases, it absolutely makes sense to do. Uh, in some cases, I think it's uh, people are making choices to do this based on kind of some short-term thinking. And I think that, you know, for my reason um, in talking with you all, it's be good to get some of these thoughts out here of what we're experiencing and not just like our opinion. Um, there's going to be some opinion here, of course, but see even things that we're experiencing and seeing people make getting out of the military and being successful and not successful with them. And then also how Cameron Brooks uh, fits into this whole skill bridge uh, transition piece, since we don't really offer internships. So a couple of things that we want to do is we want to look at really two pathways, engaging in the skill bridge uh, through whatever service you're in and the potential advantages of doing that versus some of the trade-offs associated with that. So we'll start the conversation there and then we'll move over and we'll talk about, okay, well, let, let's say you use a recruiting firm instead in order to launch your business career. What are the, what are the advantages of that? What are maybe some of the trade-offs of that? So we're going to kind of go on two paths. We'll start, start with that path and then we'll talk about a recruiting firm and we'll kind of go from there. And so what I'd like to start with is some um, advantages or at least perceived advantages of going from the military through SkillBridge and specifically an internship program at a company in order to launch your career. So a lot of things that we've heard, and we're gonna, we're gonna come at this from our experience and the officers that we've spoken to, some that have gone through this program or at least considered going through this program. And I think the biggest thing that we hear from officers as to why they're choosing to do an internship with a very specific company is in a word, more certainty. They feel like locking up, even though it's not a, a guaranteed job after the military, the things that I hear are locking up um, a probable job three, four, even six months, depending on the branch of service you're in, three, four, six months before you actually step off, step out on terminal leave. And so you have the opportunity to go to a company into a specific job and most of the time in a specific location. And so it, at least in the conversation that I have, officers tell me, you know, if I could figure out all of this stuff way before I get out of the military and come on terminal leave, where am I going to go work? Where am I going to go live? What job am I going to have? It alleviates a lot of pressure, and especially for those that are that are are married or in a in a long term relationship. It really alleviates pressure for the family as well. Hey, all of our questions are going to be answered way upstream, and I'm just going to go do this job in this specific location, 
and it alleviates a lot of pressure, therefore offers certainty or at least a perceived certainty. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm a person that loves certainty. Um, I just, yeah, I really do. And I think that if, if somebody said to me, um, and so my term leave started, our, our separation date was August 31st when I got out. If somebody said to me on February or January, I could start like exploring options and probably have a most likely situation lined up for February. And I could take from March until June um, to, you know, work for an organization, see if it's the right fit. It, it would be a compelling um, uh, situation for me um, in terms of, in theory, for those, those factors in of itself. And I, you know, I would have, have it in our sessions here to get a little bit ahead. I might get ahead here. Um, we've been saying the word recruiting firm, and I'm glad you guys did that because, um, you know, we're really here at Cameron Brooks transitioning, and this is a funny, we're transitioning, trying to transition from calling ourselves a recruiting firm to really defining ourselves as a transition firm, a transition organization, and not use the word recruiting because we do so much more than help people find positions. And we're really in the, our model here is more than just helping you find work. Is there an element, a component of that? Absolutely. You got to have that. But we're after what's the, is truly transitioning. And I think about the transition, even a four-year officer, it took months, years to prepare to be a military officer. They spent four years just like in the womb of the military, just absorbed in it. And your skill set, your work, just separate from the military, it's a, it's a big change. There's a movement from this island to this island over here. And it, it, it takes time. It takes a good fit. It takes experience. And, and so we're after this transition of not just finding the position with the right company, the right, the right career track, so that not in months after you get out, you have a job, but three, four, five years post you got out, we, you and we, we can look at the resume and say, wow, look at the company you're with. Look at the accomplishments that you have. Look at the experiences now. So now from here, you have this like foundation that you could jump from. And so if I think if I'm in the military and I'm thinking about most important for me is I just want work and I want it to be in a certain location and I really need to know now I think that there are some very compelling reasons for internships through the Skillbridge program. And I think this is the, the why we're here today is that there's some people that think, are thinking long-term, they're thinking about the transition. I want a top-tier company. I want a, a great developmental role. And I want it to be a fit. And I don't want a job hop. I want to make sure I avoid do-overs. I don't want to get out, start work, and change. Okay. So... I need to start thinking, start thinking a little more long-term and less about the immediate pain. No doubt, the immediate pain of uncertainty is right in front of you. But long-term, are you thinking two, three, four years of not being in the right fit and kind of some of the pain that that could cause? Um, and I think that's where the, 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 the career search in Cameron Brooks versus I want to do the internship to get the certainty, to get the location, to have everything locked up, kind of diverge. It depends on somebody's goals. Why don't we talk a little bit about, so, so we've got the, here's some of the, the perceived advantages to the doing the internship. 
based on the people that you've talked to, people that I've talked to, what are some of the perhaps trade-offs to doing it? Okay, great. You're going to lock up this idea of certainty, job, location, but you know, okay, great. What are some of the downsides associated with that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to answer the question, but I think it's important that we caveat this, right? We want everybody that's listening to this, obviously, if you're watching this, we're camera crooks. We have, a, we have an opinion, sure, right? We have a, it's going to come from our perspective. And we're going to be telling the story from, we're going to try to be as objective as we can, but of course, we're going to tell our story from the side that we really see the world as most people do. So um, I think I mentioned, um, and you were talking about the trade-offs, I think I mentioned some of the positives and, and the why to do that. Now, what I hear from people that when when they have explored some of the, the, the internship programs out there, and there are some good quality companies, some that are offering the internships, but it's small. It's not the preponderance of them. And the reason for that being is most of the internship programs that I know of that sponsor all this, they offer... Um, they're working with spouses of veterans. They're working with veterans who are retiring that are not commissioned, officers that are served 20 that are retiring, enlisted. So this program wasn't set up specifically for one type of veteran group. And so if you look at an officer retiring versus an NCO retiring, very different. Certainly a junior officer, what we work with, is it's probably one of the, one of the most unique in terms of their fit in the business world and the demand for that person. So going through the internship program, uh, most of what I hear is that you get maybe four, five, six opportunities to explore. And a lot of times it's like similar resume. They get back to you if they like you or not. You don't even meet them. You might get to talk to them, but it, it's a little bit different. And then there's like, they usually people tell me, it's like there's one or two that really felt like a good fit for the military officer, um, specifically for them. Which, you know, again, if we're after the successful transition, you got to avoid the do-overs. We know from our experience, avoiding do-overs is helps because you've done your your comparison, power comparison, looking at a variety of options. So when I ask people that are, hey, I'm going to do the internship, I said just out of curiosity. I think it's important for you to ask whoever you're working with in this overarching program, what is their retention rate after year one? What is the retention rate after year three? And they can't tell me. That's the one of the things that does concern me about it. So I think there's some trade-offs, right? Trade-offs for them. The quality of opportunities, the number you get to compare. Um, do you, is, it the, is it a long-term play? Or obviously we mentioned the positives. You get to go to work. You get to really work in an environment for 90 to 100 days. 20 days build some relationships. Build relationships. Yeah, it's a good fit. Certainly helpful. But I would really like to see what is the data that shows that helps make the successful transition. Or maybe they don't want to be that. That's okay too. Yeah, that's, that's right. not important to them. I think the hard thing is in, in that scenario is you get, you know, someone who were to go do an internship. Um, you know, I, and I have looked at these, by the way, I have logged on and kind of evaluated all the opportunities in a specific base, very large army base. And to your point, there's DOD, there's uh, government contracting, there's nonprofit, there's there's just that it runs the gamut. So you, so a military officer, because of the specialty of their background, like you said, really does eliminate, you know, the preponderance of opportunity. Like, oh, here's the two or three roles. And so I, I think that makes it hard because if you find something or you find a company that, that will pursue you and you go do an internship, you get to the end of the internship 
even if they offer you a position, which I think that's the intention. I think the intention is that they would offer you um, a position. It, it, you're there. You're ingrained. You've been there two or three or four months. So good or not, there's no comparison. Um, and it's like, well, I'm here. Let me just roll with it. I think that's what, when Joel said that to me, that's what I think. That introduces, in my opinion, uncertainty. I know that there's certainty in going and getting a job and going starting work and locking things up early. But in my mind, you get to the internship, even if you receive an offer, there's no, no comparing of other opportunities. And suddenly, at least in the people that we've spoken to, some of which we've actually partnered with, um, you get to the end of it and it feels a little bit less certain, but Hey, here's where I'm at. I'm going to roll with it. And I think that can be the hard part about it. Yeah. In some ways it's, um, what, so no different than some people that might narrow down on location and take a, a lower tier opportunity or one that's not quite a fit. I shouldn't call it lower tier opportunity. It's not quite a fit. But take the position with the strategy. I'll take this and I'll just start looking around. Right. You know, I mean, I just, I got the job. I got benefits. You know where I'm going to live. It's good, decent pay. And I'll just start, you know, keep interviewing. That's the do-over. That's, that's not the successful transition. And uh, I think that's what a lot of people do is they take it and then they wonder, Oh, is there any, what else is out there? Is there anything better? And you don't know because there's nothing perfect, right? We even tell the people that expect accept the positions through us. It's not going to be perfect, right? And so there's going to be trade-offs. And that's the that's the great thing about getting out of the military is you get to make choices. Choices mean I'm going to choose between some trade-offs that I'm willing to willing to accept or 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 not accept. I wanted to also build on something. I then I'm going to. In, in the summer, I'll hit 23 years here at Cameron Brooks. And uh, I think between Chuck, Mary Lou, and myself, we're the, like the, the, the Chuck's our CEO, Mary Lou is one of our associate principals. There's nobody that's been longer in the veteran recruiting space than Chuck, or Mary Lou the most, then Chuck, than me. Um, and what I have seen in 22 years, 22 plus, is there's a lot of strategies that happen in recruiting where you take on what is good for the college graduate, what's good for a college student. Let's apply it to the military officer. And so what are you doing with an internship? What, who, before they started doing this in the military, where else did they ever do internships? College, college, college campuses, MBA campuses. It's your, between your junior and senior year. You got to get a good internship. I'm living this right now with my, my second daughter. Get a good internship. They're probably going to offer you a job at the end. So what do they do? They hire a whole bunch of college grads is an intern and they statistically they're going to get they're going to i don't know a lot of them they're going to take like 70 percent of it and then of those 70 percent probably within a year to 18 months after they graduate a whole bunch are going to quit this is play this numbers game that's the internship model or before that what what we saw was rotational programs well i got my daughter my daughter just graduated from college went into a rotational engineering program for the next year and a half, two years. Those are good for college when they don't have any proven experience. So we've just seen this over and over again. Take something that works well with the college grad, let's apply it to the military person. But if you're a junior officer and you're high potential, and you've got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years of experience, real experience under your belt. Do you really want to go into something where the lieutenant colonel or an 04, 05 is also in there and rotate for two years. Maybe you do. 
Maybe you really like them. That's okay. They're not passing judgment. But most people want to step into a real role, a real position. I was talking with somebody earlier today that I'm looking at the skill bridge. I want to do this, do the internship. And I was explaining to them. I said, we don't do the internships at Cameron Brooks. And it's not because, it's not because like we couldn't do them. We could create it. But our companies come to us with open positions. They have a need. They have a need. It's an open position, as you've seen this, Pete, and hope you've seen it. That open position actually has a rec number, a requisition number mm-hmm. associated with it, with a hiring manager, with a base salary. If we went to them and say, hey, we want the, we're going to place somebody with you and you can have them for free for three months. You don't have to pay them. They're like, but we have this open position. Right. We, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do We can't do that. Right. And, and so, and you're talking about A-tier companies, top Johnson and Johnson's and consulting firms like EY, and, um, you know, things like that, that we've got sales positions that are going to manage this territory. Consulting engagements where from day one, you're going to be put on an engagement. Will you learn technology? Absolutely. But we're going to put you on an engagement and build your hours, real roles. Our companies aren't set up. As much as like a junior officer say, well, why wouldn't they want to have yeah, free yeah, labor yeah, for 90 yeah, days? Or exactly. Well, it's just not set. When you're hiring an A player for a developmental role, right. they're not thinking internship. I'm sorry, I keep talking about it, but I have to add this one. We, so occasionally we have a fresh college graduate we try to help. It's usually a family member, um, nephew, niece, those types of things. Right. And you know, get them experience, have them some, do some interviewing. And we do this like once every three or four years. We recently did this. Right. It's a great experience for the person, but they didn't get any traction. No traction. No traction at our conference. Why? Because that's not set up for internships. It's not set up for, it's set up for, you need to have experience to go into these roles. Um, so, and he was a talented guy with a, with, a, with a great resume and a technical business degree. That's yeah. right, exactly. Okay, so hope then kind of, Okay, so why, you know, we want to be fair and objective. So why would someone then choose to execute on, hey, I'm going to go do an internship through the SkillBridge program? Yeah. And so I think you guys had a great discussion um, on flipping either side of the coin, uh, pros and cons. So I think, you know, from what I'm hearing and what I've heard from officers, an internship might be right for you if you're looking for a role that's very specific or specialized. Uh, For example, I was chatting with an officer yesterday and her end goal is to be, um, you know, a licensed dietitian. And so she has secured a a skill bridge position that's going to allow her to continue along that route. So that was perfect for her. Um, If, you know, it might be right for you if you have to get back to a certain location for family reasons or or something. Um, and then also, it, you know, if you need that certainty element, um, and that's something that's really important to you, but just as we kind of discussed, the certainty could be a pro and it could be a con. So, um, evaluating, you know, short-term versus long-term, what that looks like for you in your career. And one of the, you know, the whole reason we're even doing this is because what we're trying to do is not disparage one or say, hey, this is the right way for you, or you must do it this way. This is not the intention of the conversation. The intention is to bring to light things that maybe you're not thinking about, ideas about how will this actually affect me? Because on the surface, as Joel started this whole conversation with, 
it's pretty attractive. Like I could kind of leave the military early, lock it up early. But, but a lot of times when I'm talking to military officers not, and I'm asking them questions like, well, what, what about after this is over or what will you compare it to there? Yeah, I haven't quite thought about that. So the intention is not to, again, disparage a decision. The intention is to get you thinking about some of the questions you should probably be asking yourself as you're trying to decide what's right for you, what's right for your family. So I want to just jump in there, but as you're saying this, questions that you should ask yourself. Uh, I believe that every military officer should ask themselves this one question before they even drop their resignation. And it's going to tie into the, you know, do you do an internship or do you do something like a transition firm like Cameron Brooks? We all know, well, I shouldn't say we all know, people predominantly get out of the military for quality of life reasons, uh, work-life balance kind of one the same there, maybe more control of your career, more upside, promotion, pay based based on performance. Maybe they just wanted to serve and get in the business. So you know your why while you're leaving. So that's okay, you got that. This is why I'm leaving here. That's that's not you're not ready yet to drop the resignation. Now you know I don't believe that this is a fit. Now the question is where do I see myself three four, five years down there, three to five years, what is going to make a happy, successful professional career for me? Might as well put in their professional or personal life too. Mm-hmm. I think, I believe that's the question. Start with a blank piece of paper and just jot it down, jot thoughts down, jot ideas. It doesn't have to be, I want to be sales and medical company in Washington, D.C. That's difficult to do that. But I want to be a future leader, see myself in business. I like to lead. I like to solve problems. I like to manage projects. Okay, you just described the development candidate person you talk to you hope describe the non-development role we need both to figure out what your goal is where do you want to go then you got to back up okay what's the path right how do i get there? how do i get there now you can probably drop your resignation because now you have a goal of what you want but now you got to figure out what's the path to get there so what we're talking about today is is the path an internship program is the path where I'm going to do something more where I'm going to do more interviewing tailored specifically towards a junior officer, probably not going to be able to really start interviewing until about 60 days prior to the terminal leave. So 90 days to 120 or so before I'm done getting paid by the military is always the hardest thing. You've got to resign before you have a job. Nobody else does that other than the military. So I'm trying to figure out what's the path that's going to help me get there. And based on the internship programs gearing themselves towards all types of veterans, the variability in the quality of the companies and the positions and opportunities. Don't know the data on the retention. Just think there's, if you describe yourself as what we call this development candidates, future leader in the business world, you want to avoid the do-overs. I think it's risky. Um, But if you've got other goals that are more important I just saw this on LinkedIn. Somebody interviewed over a year ago. He's connected to somebody who's coming to our conference coming up. He just took a position in the Gulf Coast of Florida. And I looked him up on, on, in our system. Oh, this name's familiar. And I interviewed him. He said, Joel, I just want to get out. I just want to live in the Gulf Coast of Florida. I need a good job. I don't care as much about promotion. I just want to live there, be near my family, pay about this, and I, I'm going to be happy. You know what? He did it. And he used an internship program. That okay, good. That that is a that is a good strategy. And we didn't we, we weren't right for him. Right. 
think that's what we're trying no, to do. No here. foul, right? There's nothing wrong with We're that. not right for everybody, but I also right. don't think that the internships are right for everybody. And too right. often it's the, now what do the military officers say? It's the alligator nearest to the boat. You know, right. they use yeah. that term. Um, you, you think, oh, gosh, I'm going to be out. And I don't know where I'm going to go. I get, give the flip answer. I just talked to about six weeks ago, somebody coming, getting out of Hawaii. And kids in school, and he wanted to move, and he wanted to get a location. And his wife's like, where are we going? We've been in Hawaii. But he described wanting to be a development candidate. But he couldn't reconcile. I got to get to, I, I need to know where we're going. I'd have to get my kids in school by January. And so doing the internship program. And, and that's the hard thing is, okay, which ones, which you're making a trade-off. And, and so that that weight of having to get to that location or knowing now overweighted the opportunity in making the successful transition. So talking about these two different paths, um, you know, we reviewed the pros and cons um, of the internship. So I think this is a great segue, uh, you know, talking about using a transition form um, and what that looks like. And so, Joel, um, I know you can speak really well to what you get out of working with a transition firm. Why don't we cover a few of those points? Well, for the, I'd say first that there's, I think, I believe this is my bias, right? But I also think this is true. We're the only ones truly out there as a transition firm. Um, what I mean by that, working a year in advance. And we, of or, course, or, or, or more. Yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. weeks. <laughs> We've done that too, or right. a week. Uh, but on average, it's about a year and there is coaching. You know, Pete's a transition coach. I'm a transition coach. And that coaching is career strategy coaching. You know, what's your transition strategy? And but coaching doesn't mean we're telling you how to do that. It's not like a football coach. I'm telling you how to block this person. It's listening, helping you uncover, listening, questioning, helping you create the strategy. And yeah, we're going to tell you when it's, hey, you might want to look out for this based on what you're doing. Second, we're going to teach you how to interview. Third, you're going to teach yourself business. We are too. There's self-study through the business. And then as you come closer to the conference, we create a resume that's going to stand out and you can bypass all the filters. What I mean by filters is the screening of uploading a resume, having to do the screening interview. And we will then match you for if this right now in this environment in 2022, it's on average about 13 interviews of opportunities that, that you're qualified for and interested in. You, I doubt, I, I guarantee this, nobody will have the same interview schedule that you do at a career conference. No one. Well, be 50 people. You tell, tell them about yeah, the twins. We, yeah, we had, we had identical twins. Yeah. <laughs> had everywhere. Everywhere. Identical twins that both went to the same college, yes. had the same major, and were both nuclear power submarine officers. Different schedules. That had different interviews because they were different types of communicators. They looked different exactly people. the same. Yeah. They had the same That's resume right. in terms of the degree, same school, same career field, different different interview schedule. And then and how many? We, I was going to oh. ask. So I mean, our January conference kicks off tomorrow. You guys have been prepping for that. I mean, how many rounds of matching are we talking about? Like, how often are you getting your eyes on um, these officers' uh, backgrounds and putting together their schedules? 
two separate questions, right? How often are you looking at guys, eyes on the backgrounds? Eyes in the background is probably, it just in the last two, three weeks, it's probably 20, 25 times for each person. True full-on matching um, is three times. But each, the, the, each person gets an individual look um, that lasts about an hour of a matching. We look through everything. What do you mean an individual look? We're reviewing all of our notes. We're looking at their profile that they created, their evaluations. There's phone calls verifying mm -hmm. things. Then the third round is about four hours worth of work where we're reviewing every candidate's schedule, mm -hmm. every company's schedule. Does this make sense? By the way, every candidate is re their resume and their schedule is reviewed by our CEO or, or myself. Um, the partner here at Kimberly Rose. Everybody, everybody gets that look. It's, so what's the benefit of that? You do the career search, you come to the conference. And then, uh, the best way I can explain this is, because I think it's hard for people to understand, it's like buffet. <laughs> I, said, I like to eat, so it's like a buffet. <laughs> and so the buffet's got 12, 13 things on there. And you might think, hey, I really like uh, I really like steak. Uh, I thought you were going to say fried chicken. Can you use fried chicken? Or scalloped potatoes. <laughs> scalloped potatoes. Or something. <laughs> Maybe I like fried chicken and scalloped potatoes. But I go up there, and you know what? They have chicken fried steak instead. Yeah. Okay. I like that, too. And they got mashed potatoes. And But I take a little bit of each. That's the interview at the conference. Oh, I think I like these. So I go back for seconds. This is my follow-up. I get a little bit more on the plate. Now, if I was eating dinner again, like, you know, for the next week or so, what would I want to, like, have my plate most nights? That would be my career. So the buffet is an option to go taste a lot of different things. And when you go back, you're going to take, you know, really narrow it down to a few things that you really like, and you're going to pick one. And, and so, no, it's not a 90 to 120-day evaluation process like an internship is. I think it's when people think about, well, I really would know a lot more about something if I worked there for 90 to days probably yeah. but i'm telling you you are going to know a lot about a lot of different things and about yourself and about the company that you will accept before you accept one of the things let me let me jump in because we you and i hear this all the time and we've even recorded podcasts exploring this specific topic one of the things that i think people miss out on when they explore one or two options is that is the whole cultural fit you know we end up talking a lot about hey are you you know, are you interested in leading teams or managing projects or whatever it might be? And all that's really important. You know, are you interested in living in Texas or in wherever, right? I mean, all of these things are important. But the thing that I consistently hear after someone does a career search is more about the people they're going to work with, the person they're going to work for, the culture of the company, which is so hard to compare. Well, it's impossible to pair, compare if you're only looking at one or two things. But I think the hard thing is it's hard to know by looking at a website or reading some comments on Glassdoor, am I personally a fit? Am I, do I gel with the boss? Do I gel with the team? Am I fit, fitting culturally? And so the things that he's talking about comparing are really the things that, at least in our experience, people value the most. And it's very difficult to do unless you have the opportunity to explore multiple things. Which leads me into, I've been talking about the retention rate you know, our retention rate is around 98% after one year. Um, certainly, it's, it, it's human business, so it's not ideally that it would be perfect, but it's 98%. It's, you know, around 93% after three years. And that's the goal, is that successful transition that we're after. Uh, 
and, and we could trace that all the way back to comparing the options because I think if you're in a if you if you're in an internship, for example, it's binary. Do I like this or do I not? I think when you look at or culture-wise, when you're evaluating number of options culturally, like I like this more than that. I like this part of this, and but like that over there better, and I weight that factor more. And that's the power of the comparison versus this binary. It's okay, not that great. Yes, no, and like we go back to probably take it, burn in hand, let's roll with it, I'll just look for something better. And uh, that ends up being the do-overs, which if we go back to what a lot of people get out, quality of life, work-life balance, they want more certainty, control over your career. And if you're changing companies, quitting, starting all over in year one or year two, you're just introducing uncertainty. I guarantee you, work-life balance is not going to feel great because you're having to start all over again. You're not going to be increasing your compensation doing that because you're starting all over. So it's, you don't really solve, first of all, you don't solve one of the reasons why you're getting out. And you certainly don't head towards the main objective. That you, that's why I asked you that, where do I want to go? You're actually having to go back down the trail and start walking again. That is ultimately what we're after. Gotcha. Okay. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of pros, um, that Joel just talked about. So Pete, I'm going to toss it to you. There has to be another side of the coin. What are some of the perceived trade-offs? Yeah, we, we want to, we're trying to be this, this podcast, this episode, this video, we want to be objective. And so sure. Let me, let me tell you what, what I hear. And when people come to me, like, let's say I, I'm having a conversation with an officer and, uh, and we're exploring a partnership and they ultimately say, you know, I, I, I don't want to form a partnership with you. A couple of things that I typically hear is there is less perceived certainty initially. And the reason I say that is because officers start interviewing at a career conference. They, so their first interviews are typically somewhere in the range of two months before they start terminal leave. And so a lot of things that a lot of things I'll hear from officers is I don't know if I can wait all the way until I'm two months from starting terminal leave and available to start working to start interviewing. But it's such an interesting point because because if you're interviewing for an open position, there's really not access to interview for an open position much more upstream than that. But that is certainly one of the things I hear. I don't want to wait to start interviewing. I don't want to wait until I get all the way to the end of the process. Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I wasn't going to actually comment anything, but yeah, that's uh, it, it's a trade-off. Most well, times if you want to interview for something with an open position, you, you can't interview for something in January. To start working. To start work is June. Yeah, or August, June. Yeah. Because yeah. the companies just don't know that yet. It's not a college hiring program. It, it, it is, is a experienced hire program. You said it earlier. It's the, really the only place in the world where you, you know, most people don't submit a resignation until they have something locked up on the other side of that. So it is, it is a little bit of a harder thing. Another right. Thing, and you I was going to ask that. Pete, let me, let me jump in there. So like, you know, the less perceived certainty of getting to the conference, but what is the average like turnaround time from conference to offer in hand at Cameron Brooks versus, you know, maybe a normal um, career search? Well, that's a really, that's, that's, that's an interesting question because you know, once someone comes to the conference, they're approximately two months from starting terminal leave. But once folks come to the conference, 
like the it's kind of slow, 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 not interviewing. Then all of a sudden it's quick because mm -hmm. the conference lasts five days. You're interviewing two of the five five days, but you know, on average, 12 or 13 interviews. And then, you know, before this pandemic hit, we would say, okay, from from when the conference is over to when you accept a position, you could expect about 18 working days. But from what, what we've seen in the follow-up process, we're talking 12 days. So mm -hmm. from the day the conference starts to the day on average that officers are making decisions, we're talking 17 days from start to finish. And one of the things I hear all the time, you probably do as well, is like, gosh, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to have to make a decision this fast, as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, a, an, an alternate path would be, well, I'm going to put my resume on LinkedIn. I'm going to have an HR professional call me and, and I'm just waiting to hear back from them at this point. And I'm not exactly sure when they're going to call me back. And so I, that's a lot of what we see. And they're choosing from usually choosing from multiple offers instead of I got one in, in the middle of this other company waiting for it to turn down, but truly I'm comparing these. And a lot of times they're choosing between A1 and A1.5 mm -hmm. and the, like multiple that they, that they really like. But the, the, the downside, again, if it's come back to certainty without having it, I think early up front, it's hard to hundred percent believe in it. And you know, you hear the statistics, like the last two conferences, I think all but one candidate got an offer. The only reason that one candidate did it is that he got an offer on his own. And he went out. And he, he, got out early, he cut out early from doing the follow-up interviews, which right. is, I mean, we might as well just count it as 100%. And last year, is well over 95% of all people got offers. And even I bet we could go back and look at every single one of them. And it didn't have anything to do with, like, they weren't, they couldn't get money. So they did something else. And mm -hmm. we placed 90% of all the people we work with. Which is and really so, hard. That, yeah, so there's benefit, but again, we come back to what we started with. There is an element that, that there's uncertainty still, even if you're like, okay, good, good answer the question. I'm probably it's gonna most likely work as the data shows that. But I don't know where I'm gonna go. I don't know how much I'm gonna get paid. I can't tell anybody who I'm working for because I don't know yet. And I don't know exactly what job it is. That is a lot. And then you throw in like I was, and there's other people doing this. Uh, my wife's pregnant and due with a baby, and we don't we don't even know where we're going to live yet. And um, yeah, that's probably some of the the bigger downsides um, that it takes for takes for people um, in terms of going through the process. Gotcha. Anything? One else? other thing. Let me just, let me so we can explore it all. One of the other things that I hear occasionally is is, you know, I would like more control over the companies that I specifically interview with. And my answer, and I'm not trying to be kind of beat around the bush or, or kind of not answer the question directly, but I say to people, you do have control. You have a ton of control because Joel's talking about coaching and conversations. And many of those conversations come down to what are you interested in? How do you see yourself? What are you really good at? What do you want to maximize and explore at the conference? And there is, a, there is a level of trust in a partnership, right? That, that would be one of the main components of a partnership, but you're relying on someone with 23 years of helping military officers move from the military to corporate America to listen to your words closely and then find great fits for you. I, I think it would be interesting to hand someone a list 
of all the companies coming to the next conference and say, tell me which ones that you want to interview with and then do a study and actually go and figure out what company that person went to go work for based on the way that they were matched. I would argue that it's unlikely that those two things would be lined up at all because you're, again, you're in a partnership relying on someone that has so much experience, knowledge, and has seen the way that it works to help military officers transition. So, so in one hand, you have a ton of influence on the types of roles you're going to interview with. And really, a lot of times, the companies you're going to interview for. But this idea of, here, let me take a list and interview with all the companies I recognize in corporate America coming from a completely different industry, I think that can be a little bit challenging. Yeah. I, it, you do have control over that. You're, it's by telling us what you're looking for, what's important to you. And that's documented. And, and people know because he sits with me. We sweat it. Is this right? And we're trying to make these you know, decisions. Um, and the, the dovetails at the one, but we could be here all day uh, on points. Just <laughs> I, often I get people that tell me, well, Joel, I want to explore all my options. Good luck. <laughs> you, you can't. You can't explore all your options. It's impossible. Well, you could. You will be a perpetual interviewer. Yeah, I mean, you'll be a perpetual interviewer. And just so the looking up is, jobs on a LinkedIn job board and it produces thousands But the question is, I want to see as many good, I want to see as many good fits at the same time as I possibly can. I know, biased, work there 22, 22, 22. There, I don't know of any other place that you can truly line up this many interviews and get offers running side by side in one place. Uh, gotcha. Even, you know, the closest would be like maybe an MBA school or a college. And even then, I don't think it's not that many. It's maybe you get college graduates are probably, they, they can see two or three or four things, but they typically get one offer. Maybe an MBA grad gets a couple. Um, but there's no ability. You can't see all. I think the question is, if, you, if your goal is to do comparison, where, what source, what avenue, what path, what partner gets me as many good quality options as possible? And gets you to that. And, you know, the question that you ask yourself before submitting your resignation packet that you mentioned, Joel, you know, like, what does my happy, successful career, professional career and personal life look like in five years and which path am I going to take that's going to help me get there? So just tying it back into like the beginning of why you start this process <laughs> in the first place. Um, so just to kind of wrap it up, uh, summarize this second path. Um, so, you know, utilizing a transition firm might be right for you if you want to fully explore your marketability. Like if you have multiple interests and you have a diverse skill set, um, you could you could see a variety of opportunities. Um, it could be right for you if you want to interview for a developmental role, right? Um, so not a specialized. Um, if you are looking, if looking at job boards are overwhelming to you <laughs> because you have someone on the other side who understands the function of the job, the company, the culture fit, and understands you. Um, and can, and can match to that. Um, and then also, uh, underneath that, someone to just kind of walk alongside you, um, you know, if just the whole process is overwhelming in general, we have career coaching and interview prep and resume assistance, um, just kind of, as we all mentioned. Um, so those are reasons that it could be right for you. Um, and these are all the things that you have to think about when you are considering your five-year plan and what you want your career to look like. So that was a great discussion, gentlemen. Thank you.
So now they, I would, as we close out this, this uh, conversation, you know, we're going to have another um, conversation here that you might surprise you. Camel Brooks does qualify as a skill bridge program. So you're going to want to watch uh, the, uh, the webcast that's on Cameron Brooks and the skill, skill bridge program, or listen to the podcast episode on how does Cameron Brooks qualify as a skill bridge program.